You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Homes.com knows having the right agent can make or break your home search. That's why they provide home shoppers with an agent directory that gives you a detailed look at each agent's experience, like the number of closed sales in a specific neighborhood, average price range, and more. It lets you easily connect with all the agents in the area you're searching so you can find the right agent with the right experience and ultimately the right home for you. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening on Amazon Music is included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Just head to Amazon.com slash ad-free true crime to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Enjoy thousands of ACAST shows ad-free for Prime subscribers. Some shows may have ads. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Introducing Wondersuite from bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. <laughs> Was hard, but not anymore thanks to Wondersuite from Bluehost. Answer a few questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically create your website or store. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content, and we automatically help you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite. Welcome to She Pivots. I'm your host, Emily Tish Sussman. One of my goals in starting this podcast is to highlight voices and stories of women who went through something deeply personal, only to come out of it on the other side better than they could have imagined. After launching She Pivots last year, it's clear it's not a small group. This applies to most women, whether it's a big pivot or even just a tiny pivot. What's clear is there's still a lot of unpacking to do around pivoting. So as we're continuing to build this platform and community through new episodes, I wanted to also bring you more stories, unfiltered and honest. So I'll be sitting down with more women, maybe the occasional man, some of whom have mastered their own pivot. Some are just starting the pivoting journey. Or some just have something to teach us about the deeply personal moments of life. So stay tuned for more of these candid conversations this season. 
To celebrate Mother's Day, I'm excited to share my conversation with Emily Oster. She's one of my mom idols, and I consume her content religiously. Currently, she is a professor of economics at Brown University and author of three books, Expecting Better, Crib Sheet, and The Family Firm. With her academic background, she uses data to analyze and discuss the choices around pregnancy and parenting. Let's jump right in. Welcome. I'm so excited to be joined by probably the biggest mom influencer, maybe kind of anti-influencer in my life, Emily Oster, economist at Brown. Overall, smart lady. One of my friends sent me your Instagram, which is how I found you, because she was like, here is someone who's actually talking the way that we are taught, like parents of young kids, like the way that we are talking about how the fact that we like want our kids in school right now and they're not yeah. learning anything with masks on. And like, we're not anti-vaxxers, like we know COVID exists, but like our kids are, are not learning. And like, we know that. And the fact that you were saying it from a factual place, I had never seen anything like it. And I felt like validated my feelings after like two plus years of feeling, oh, well, I mean, five plus years of having kids of everyone being like, this is the way you're supposed to do something. This is the, like, this is like the best way. Like seeing you say it that mm-hmm. way, like resonated with me the way that nothing else had. Is that why you started it? No. Um, But that's great to hear. I started doing the kinds of stuff that I'm doing, sort of speaking to parents from this place of data and evidence and facts when I got pregnant for the first time. And I have my oldest one is 11. She's almost 12. And so this was now really quite a long time ago. uh, And I got pregnant and I had a sort of experience, I think, in the end, a lot of people turned out to have shared, which is the feeling of frustration that I wasn't being empowered to make the choices and decisions that I thought that I should be part of. Wait, what do you mean by that? Like decisions that you should have been a part of? So there were many, there are many decisions that you face in pregnancy. Like what kind of prenatal testing should I have? Should I have an epidural? Like, you know, can I have a cup of coffee? And many of the ways that the evidence was presented was sort of like, do this or don't do this. Like, no, you can't have a cup of coffee. And you'd be like, well, why? And I'm like, I don't know. It's in the rules or maybe it's okay to have a little, don't worry about it. But I really wanted to understand those things better. And so a lot of the experience of my first pregnancy was sort of trying to work through using my professional training, trying to work through many of the questions that were coming up while I was pregnant. And then that sort of led to, to my first book. And that kind of led to the whole, whatever my job is now, I guess. <laughs> yeah. How do you describe your job now? So, I mean, I, I am a, I'm a professor. I is like, so I teach at Brown. I have a, a full-time job doing that. What I do that is more visible is I'm, I basically am a writer. So, you know, I write books and then I write this newsletter and translate data for people. How do you think about this public persona part of it? I mean, a part of what I felt so connected to when I found your Instagram is that like, it's just you in real life. Like you're often running when you're like answering questions how intentional was it that you were like, this is the me that I'm going to put out into the world? Like I keep my personal Instagram, actually, I still keep it private because maybe because I'm too chaotic for the public, but like, (laughs) but like, I'm just not ready to think about that. Like, what is my public me? It is an interesting question. I've been much more deliberate about my kids. So I don't put my kids on Instagram and we don't have pictures of them and that kind of stuff. And my husband's a pretty private person. And so it really is just sort of me. But part of what I have found very valuable about social media, although it has many problems, is this ability to connect. And I think when done well, letting people see the kind of ways that 
things are messy and see your chaos and understand that like I wear the same sweatshirt all the time. You know, and if you only saw pictures of me at events, you would be like, wow, that person has different clothes. But actually, it's like the same sweatshirt. Like for 98% of the time, I'm dressing the same thing and I'm like, you know, trying to make it work. And so I think that kind of authenticity is helpful. I, the other thing is I cannot do the job that I do if I have to think and also do social media if I have to think too much about what I am putting up there. I mean, that's honestly like a real question for me is, I mean, I think about this with the superficial mob influencers even more, but like, how do you decide when you're going on? Like, I feel like if I'm getting through a day, like there are so many days that I feel like, oh my God, we made it to the end of the day. Like it was the bare minimum that I could do. Like we just made it through. But like, how do you remember to put things up? So a good example here is like on Wednesdays, I do these Q&As and I do like, like I ask people for questions in the morning and then like a few times throughout the day, I like answer a bunch of questions. And I literally do those like I have 10 minutes between a meeting and they are totally uncurated. You can see like I'm not, I mean, like different weird locations. Sometimes I try to like find like different angles on my office. Like, <laughs> like people are like, oh, the rice cooker again. Yeah, cool. But, you know, I think it is a, it is kind of a way to like bring people a, along a little bit. But it's also the case that like if I had to curate those, if I had to say like, okay, I'm going to make sure the lighting is right and like I'm wearing the right makeup, you know, I've organized it. So it's like there's music or whatever else. Like I just would never be able to do it. And that's it. Yeah, totally. I could never do it. Could not do it. I mean, the other day you shared, I thought was very personal and something I like share more and less about, but like having gained weight recently Mm -hmm. that like, for me, I actually, I commented right back to yours and I, you had posted that like you had gotten a ton of comments around it that like, for me, it was tied to pregnancy, but like an abnormal amount of weight. Like I gained like a hundred pounds with my first pregnancy. And then I just had three more, like I had two more pregnancies. So I just kept it on for five years. And it wasn't actually for me until the lockdown that I was able to focus enough. Cause like I would, like I wasn't pulled in a lot of other directions. Mm-hmm. I was actually able to focus and like lose it and get back to where I had been before. But like, it's also made me realize that one, I feel like I had, like, I went through life as like a reasonably attractive, you know, I'm not like a knockout, but like, you know, like people responded to me as like a reasonably attractive person and then gaining weight so quickly and ramping up afterwards. I felt like I had a very different experience in the workplace. I was on TV the whole time, like as like a different weight. And it was hard for me not to want to go back to that. You know, I wasn't as healthy and like, I didn't feel as good, but also from like, a pure vanity perspective that we can be as body positivity as we want and we should be and we can be. But like, I had a different experience moving through the world. I think what was interesting about posting that was that it came, I think in some ways very much from the same kind of place of of kind of like recognizing that I, not that I should be happy, but just that it like from a place of body positivity, like I would like to be comfortable and I rationally understand that like, this is actually not a big deal and that it is not something that I should be thinking about. And, you know, I spend a lot of time and like, I talk to Virginia Soul Smith a lot, like she's a friend of mine. And so I sort of understand that. And yet it is still the case that like, I feel bad. And I think that that, that was, I think the piece that resonated, just the feeling of like, it's not that this is a problem. And I, and the messages I got were not people saying like, oh, you look great. Because actually it's completely not any of the point. It's this feeling of like, well, that isn't, this is bothering me in a way that I wish it was not. And I think that was the thing that resonated. Totally. 
Was that like the big, the general response you got back? People being like, yes, I wish, like, I wish I didn't care, but I do care. Yes. Or like just, yes, I feel like this. And I, I know that I shouldn't care, but I, yeah, I do. And it bothers me. Yeah, totally. I felt like I got, so I was on TV as a political commentator, like when I was gaining weight, when I was on the whole time. And I got a comment back from a producer when I was like, so I had just gone back from maternity leave. I had just gone back on TV and a comment from a producer to my agent saying, you know, if Emily doesn't look a little better, it's going to be hard for us to book her. Oof. I know. Oof. It was so brutal. And like, to be fair, I look back and like, horrible, Emily. That's, like, I that's did horrible. kind of. Well, I, no, I mean, that's hard. Yeah, that's sucks, horrible. I did also look like a mess. No, but that's because no, like none I'm of my so, clothes no, fit. No. Like, I was a mess. I looked I very depressed. I don't, like, I, don't I, a, I don't approve of that at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, I really appreciate that support. But no, it was like, the, I looked like a mess because I was a mess. And like, it was the hardest thing for me to hear in that moment. It took me multiple more years than to have the brain space to be able to actually feel like I could focus on it. And like, my weight does fluctuate. Like it fluctuates all the time, like depending on the weather. And like, if I'm going to a lot of kids' birthday parties, like I will get down with that cold pizza more, definitely more than any other child in the room. Yeah, I mean, it's a really complicated space because I think there has been so much move towards sort of trying to accept that like this is, uh, that that kind of comment is just totally not okay. And that in fact, like we do need to move to a place where like we are not fetishizing thinness in the way that we have in the past. I think that's like really important, but it is also hard when you have spent your whole life getting to there to be like, wow, that's that's fine. Actually, what's interesting is for me, like, doing all this running has in some ways like been quite good because it is very clear that like correctly nourishing oneself is important for running fast. I run like not to be thinner, but to go fast and like run fast. And so, so that has been very helpful in, even though it is often associated with like, oh, runners have a lot of eating issues. And that is, that is true for me. It's actually almost the opposite. Um, and the yeah. other response I got to that Pose with some of my friends who were runners who were like, but you're running PRs. Like, who cares? <laughs> Which I thought was like very, it was like very nice. Like one of my friends, a professional runner, was like, but you're running PRs. So who cares? And I'm like, all right, okay, well, Molly says it. It's probably I fun. love <laughs> So I actually also started running in the last couple of years. Like it was part of my like get back into shape was to start running. And I run for exactly the opposite reason. I am the slowest, sloppiest you runner. The slowest. I'm real slow. I have to tell you, at like the height of my running, I did my first, my second 5K that I've ever done. I did one like 10 years ago. I did it locally and I still needed to do like an entire Broadway show album to make me through, like to get through a 5K. Like I am so slow, but that's not at all what it's about. Like it's about me being outside and being able to work out. Like my kids are still six, four and two. So mm -hmm. like a lot of touching, a lot of mommy. If I'm paying adequate attention to one and the other two are like, well, I better get in throw there. something. Yeah. Like I better do something pretty extreme to get that dominated attention. So like working out outside is actually the only way that I can work out and have a clear head. So like that's more what it's about for me. But if I gave myself the metric of running fast, it would become the most depressing thing I did that day. <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, I think it's like I, I like running has been very many things for me, including what you describe. And I think now that my kids are older, it's like a little bit easier to be like, okay, well, maybe I can try to like go faster. And then I'm getting now I'm old, so it's like harder to go faster. But you know, yeah. <laughs> I interviewed um, Allison Felix 
Ah, yes. I'm not as fast as Allison Felix. I'm not. That's not a goal that I'm incorporating. <laughs> I'm not trying to get towards. No. My dream for that interview was that we would do it in person and then we you would go running. Yeah. Like I would yeah. be the real life version of that meme. That's like the Olympics would be a lot better if we could see a regular person run alongside them. <laughs> she passed on that. I'm gonna amazing. <laughs> amazing. This I know is it's disappointing. Gonna, it's going to be a real shock to everyone that she did not want to run against me. But I did like everything I possibly could when I was in LA to nail That's her amazing. down. They're like, are, they're like, oh, she, Allison's really busy this week. I was like, but I just, I just need to run like a little, like just her yard, like just the length <laughs> of the block. And they were not interested. No. Shockingly. <laughs> so what do you feel like What do you want people who are following to take away from like all the content that you're putting out? So the the main thing ultimately I want people to to take away is a better understanding of data and how data can be helpful in making decisions. And I I think that that's huge amount of what I do in my like newsletter writing and my book writing is kind of that piece of it is like, you saw this scary study. So like a good example is like, I got a million DMs, emails, whatever, when the Washington Post the other day was like, ultra processed foods give you ovarian cancer and like, don't eat breakfast cereal. So there's a lot of that that comes through. You know, I will, of course, write about that and talk about that in the newsletter and explain why that's, you know, like hot garbage. But what I would like is for when people, where I want to get to is when people see that, they don't have to send it to me. They're just like, oh, Emily's already told me. The like observational studies are bad and I can look at this table and realize that this paper is really flawed. And so I'm just going to move on with my life. That's like where I want to get to. Yeah. And so what I'm doing is sort of moving, I, I'm try, trying to move in that direction. I think part of what we're trying to combine, and you know, this is still very much a kind of work in progress is sort of how do you bring people along on that and make it not like a class on econometrics. I know how to teach a class on econometrics. It's my job. You know, I'm totally, but people don't want to take that class. That's a requirement actually at my university. So we need to like figure out how do you, how do I bring people in so they can see some of that? So that content starts getting into people's heads and, and helps people move forward, helps people make better decisions, but also it's like, and relatable and they're sort of, they feel like they're getting it from somebody who they, they trust and are willing to come along a little bit with the, with the econometrics. So that's the balance. Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening on Amazon Music is included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Just head to amazon.com slash ad-free true crime to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Enjoy thousands of ACAST shows ad-free for Prime subscribers. Some shows may have ads. Ready to disrupt your industry without disrupting your flow? The Levy Evening MBA program at Santa Clara University could be the perfect fit. The Levy School of Business is where you'll reach new heights without compromising your current career. You'll meet your part-time MBA cohort two evenings per week on Levy's campus in the very heart of Silicon Valley, where innovation and creativity thrive. Join Silicon Valley's premier part-time MBA program for working professionals. Search Levy Evening MBA to discover more. I mean, it's such an interesting parenting lens on the problem with disinformation now that like, we don't know which sources to trust. We don't know what is a real study. There was a huge, I don't know if I keep going back to COVID, but like there was a huge fight in my school last year among the parents because the school put in a vaccine mandate once they approved the five to 12. And there was a big movement of parents who were pulling out studies saying that the vaccine 
caused problems in kids that they were not willing to subject their parents to. We had a parent who works is like a biomedical engineer. And so she went through study by study and she was like, not one of these studies would hold up in any way. So we had our like own Emily, I guess, like resident expert, yeah, probably more of an expert (laughs) in the mechanics. But interestingly, the parents that were reading the studies were not interested in what she had to say. Like they did not respect her as an expert. So I think like who is the expert is a huge part of the problem. I agree. And I think one of the things we saw very much during COVID was sort of people glomming on to their own experts and sort of their own, I'm going to follow this expert or I'm going to sort of be following this person. I think part of what we're trying to do a little bit in this space is is sort of think about people as not that people are their own experts, but that there is a component of some of these kind of parenting decisions in particular. And I wouldn't put vaccines necessarily in this category, but that for many kinds of parenting decisions, there's a piece of the data where you really want to understand that and sort of use it productively, but also that some of these decisions are really driven by your own preferences. And so there's a sense in which like the data is sort of empowering you to make a choice that works for you. But, you know, I think that when we come to something like vaccines and we're sort of up against people listening to disinformation in a way that that is not that is not always so helpful. Yeah. Well, I I so appreciate that I was so freaked out about getting pregnant. And so like freaked out, as in once I was pregnant, I thought, oh my God, I have no understanding of what is happening to my body, what is happening inside of me, like nothing I have done in my life has prepared me for this moment that I actually ran away from, like, I didn't read a book. I didn't go Uh to a class. I'm like the opposite. I was like, I am right now. I was like, I got to write a book about this. Like this is, I'm like leaning in. We're going to do it all. I I leaned out. I was like, I won't ignore. I actually went into labor two weeks early with my first. I didn't have a bag packed. We didn't go to the hospital for hours. I walked the dogs while I was having contractions. I was like, let's just see if we can ignore this and it'll go away. I was on CNN the day that I went into labor because I was like, I was like, they told me it's two weeks. I have to, it's how it works, right? Like it's a, it's a calendar. Get totally booked TV. Totally. I was like, not a problem. I think I was like on the way to the hospital, like texting, like canceling my hit that day. Cause I was like, oh, I have two weeks. If they say it's two weeks, it's two weeks, right? Cause I didn't know anything. But I do feel like, I feel like the way that you present the information. So like, I'm not really an overreactor Mm -hmm. and my husband is even less so than me. And it's funny. So when I say that to other moms, the the response they always give me is like, oh, well, it's good to have, you know, like that balance. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm not an overreactor. Like neither of us react and like maybe in not a great way, but I do feel like it's made me more confident in my parenting because I did trust my gut to some degree, although it made me very depressed for many, for the first couple of years, I didn't know what I was doing. But I feel like finding your voice as an expert has helped give me confidence in that, that like, I drank coffee the whole time. I had wine the whole time. I didn't try to sleep in bed with my kids. I wanted to sleep. Like I I didn't really think about it. So I feel like being able to trust that I had something in there and like, I wouldn't call it maternal instinct. I still feel like I have very little of that, but that I could trust my decisions. It wasn't, it wasn't binary, I guess is the point you're making. Yeah. And I think that, that phrasing of sort of trusting your decisions, I think that is a huge piece of confident parenting like a lot of what brings up anxiety for those of us who are not very relaxed like you is the feeling like we're doing it wrong. And I think that often comes from sort of hearing other people and maybe 
not feeling like we've thought through our decisions enough. And then somebody says they're doing something different. And rather than saying, well, I thought about this decision and I'm confident that this is the right choice for me, we sort of move into a place of, oh, oh my gosh, maybe I'm doing it wrong and I had to think about how to do it differently and should I change everything that I'm doing? And and some of what we're trying to to deliver is is that confidence of, you know, yeah, there are a lot of good choices and you made the choice that's good for you and that's great. And now you can just move forward. And if somebody else made a different choice, it doesn't mean your choice is wrong. It just means that they made a different choice and people make different choices. Yeah, I think I think that's it. That like it doesn't mean that your choice is wrong. It doesn't mean that their choice was wrong. It's just like what is going to work. And by the way, I feel like I don't want to give this perception that I'm like I was like such a relax, especially of younger kids. No, I get it. Right, I get so it. It was more that I was like overwhelmed by it, and so I just like couldn't let it seep in because I felt like I was doing it wrong all the time, especially with little babies. It's hard to know if you're doing it wrong, like oh, they're just going to cry a little and it'll be fine. Or if you're doing it wrong, I mean, this is like a real thing that happened last week is that I was like, oh, my two-year-old's cut seems like it's getting kind of bad. So I should maybe be concerned about it. And so I sent a picture to the pediatrician and she called me back immediately. And she was like, you need to go to the hospital. And I was like, ah, yes, still knocking out of the park with my gut instinct parenting decisions. <laughs> I once cut my finger really badly and I got stitches. And then it I sort of woke up. This is not that long ago. I like woke up in the morning one morning. I was like, oh, it looks a little more swollen than it did. And I texted like five o'clock in the morning before I running. I like texted a picture of my doctor, who fortunately is also my friend. And she like called me. At like 5.50 and she was like, yeah, you gotta go to the hospital right now. <laughs> so I was like, okay. She's like, I'm calling you because I didn't want to freak you out with my text, but like, please get in the car right now and go to the hospital. <laughs> yeah, don't you love those? You're like, mm, like, okay, you're like my mm. real chill approach to this. That's infected. Backfired just a little bit. When I went to go meet with our local, um, because I did, I met with our local assembly member about our local housing issues. They tried to give me directions to where they are. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. I know exactly where you are. You are in the same building as the only dermatologist who will see children because my children had impetigo passing it between <sighs> mm. each other for eight weeks last year. Oof. The never ending impetigo That's bad. That's bad. Yeah, I was like, so I'm extremely familiar with your location. I've been there many, many times. That in that case, I was like, but like I only started taking to them to the doctor once I was like, we're going into month two. Should we be concerned? It's like now we gotta like go do something. Yeah, we should it was I think it was after I kept trying to send my kids to school and the school kept sending them home that I was like, I guess it's time to see a doctor. I guess we've hit that time. <laughs> so where do you want to, I, you know, we connected through this great friend of ours, Marissa Lee, who's written an incredible book, Grief is Love. That was really interesting to me that you were, guys were talking about doing an event together and talking together, given both of your like individual platforms. Where is that a conversation that you're, you're looking to take? Yeah. I mean, I think that what conversations always go in directions, but I think that what she and I have talked about is the sort of challenge of parenting when you were grieving. And, you know, I lost my mom last year, which is actually when she and I first connected, partly because her book is so amazing and partly because she's just like, like lovely. And the, there were many very hard things about losing a parent. And one of them is that you have to kind of keep going with your kids in a moment in which you kind of just want your mom, but she's dead. And that feeling of like, how do I keep going with my kids? And it loss of a parent, I think is something many of us will experience, but there are other things in that category, you know, people have a miscarriage or like a 
God forbid, a loss of a partner. Like they just that there are many things that happen, many pieces of grief, where as a parent, you have to keep going. And I think that some of sort of talking through what can one do there and how can we sort of help people think about the right way to come at that for themselves. And I think that applies to parenting across the board, like obviously in a very intense and extreme way when it's something very, you know, rocking to your core, like the loss of a parent or a death, like something very extreme. But I also feel like when people say that like kids have made them feel another side of themselves or like explored another side of themselves and more resilient in themselves, that's a piece of it as well. Like there are so many moments when all I want to do is curl in a ball, reflect, block out the world. And my kids are sensing something and want more of me in that moment. And like the strength to rise to the occasion for them, I think is not something that I had necessarily before I had kids old enough to need it. Yeah, no, I totally, I resonate with that as well. Is there anything else that you want to leave our listeners with? Just that data is great and that you too can use data in your parenting. And I think that that it's part of confidence, but just helping people think about, you know, being confident in the choices that they make is a big piece of what I want to be sending out in the world. I love that. And we have a lot of people who are pivoting careers. Any data-based advice for them? I don't think there's any data-based advice. I think that the the decision-making advice is pivoting careers is great. And just thinking through those hard decisions in a kind of structured way and making sure that you're kind of thinking about the angles before you make choices. That's my main thought. (laughs) I love it. Thank you so much, Emily. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. This is a treat. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this Candid Convo episode of She Pivots. Check back in weekly for more conversations with inspiring women. To learn more about our guests, follow us on Instagram at She Pivots the Podcast. She Pivots is hosted by me, Emily Tish-Sussman, produced by Emily Edda Voloshik, with sound editing and mixing from Nina Pollock, and research and planning from Christine Dickison and Hannah Cousins. I endorse She Pivots. Get the best workout with the best-kept secret in fitness. Hydro, the -the state-of-the-art at-home rower. Hydro engages 86% of your muscles, delivering the ultimate full-body workout in just 20 minutes. From advanced to beginner, Hydro has over 4,000 classes that are shot all over the world and are taught by Olympians and world-class athletes. For a 30-day risk-free trial with free standard shipping, go to Hydro.com and use code ROW500 to save up to $500. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W dot com, code ROW500. Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening on Amazon Music is included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Just head to Amazon.com slash ad-free true crime to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Enjoy thousands of ACAST shows ad-free for Prime subscribers. Some shows may have ads. Calgary is an opportunity-rich city home to innovators, dreamers, disruptors, and problem solvers. The city's visionaries are turning heads around the globe across all sectors each and every day. They embody Calgary's DNA. A city that's innovative, inclusive, and creative. And they're helping put Calgary and our innovation ecosystem on the map as a place where people come to solve some of the world's greatest challenges. Calgary's on the right path forward. Take a closer look at how at calgaryeconomicdevelopment.com. 
Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started.